Hello and welcome to the Sydney Ideas podcast. Today we're talking about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Why do they matter and how might it lead the way for a fair and sustainable future? To provide some perspective and ways going forward, we've brought together top academic leaders and industry pioneers for a conversation. Louise Heron AM, CEO of the Sydney Opera House, which is an iconic landmark and one of the leading cultural institutions in Australia. Innes Willocks, Chief Executive of the Australian Industry Group, which is a leading industry organisation representing businesses in a broad range of sectors, including manufacturing, construction, transport, defence, ICT and labour hire. Professor Duncan Iverson, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research at the University of Sydney, leads this conversation with Louise and Innes. But to start off, we have some reflections from Belinda Hutchison, AC, Chancellor at the University of Sydney. Connect Four is a celebration of our university's education and research innovation and its impact on the world. It's all about the ideas of connection. If we've learnt one thing through this pandemic, it's that everything, our problems, our solutions, our future, are all connected. As Waleed Ali wrote in the Sydney Morning Herald this week, it has, has revealed a radical interdependency. At the University of Sydney, we pride ourselves on multidisciplinary approaches to research and our ability to draw links between disparate but connected ideas. It is through these unique connections that ideas are freely exchanged, assumptions are challenged, and hypotheses refined to create stronger and more robust outcomes in terms of dealing with the problems in the world around us. And I think uh, Charles Perkins Centre is a great example of this in terms of the research we're doing in terms of cardiovascular disease, diabetes and obesity. I think it's fair to say that 2020 is not the year that anyone predicted. It's been and looks set to be, continue to be a year of great challenges for humanity and the world in which we live. However, with all challenges come opportunities and solutions, and that's what we're focusing on with this program, the opportunities and the solutions. When we started thinking about this program in January, we were considering the devastation of the bushfires, the floods and the ongoing drought. We decided the approach to curating this year's Innovation Week celebration would be around the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals as a lens through which to look at our work here at the university and to measure our impact. We could not have foreseen at that time just how profoundly the goals we chose to look at, good health and well-being, reduced inequalities, climate action and partnerships would be so fundamental to the biggest issues we are collectively facing this year. In good health and well-being, of course, there's COVID-19. But beyond the complexity of the disease and its treatment, getting a better understanding of the wider health impacts, such as mental health, have been high on our agenda. We need to make sure that the vulnerable in our society don't get left behind as we focus on the challenges of recovery and rebuilding. And of course, the systemic problems of racial inequality have come back into sharp focus globally with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. 
With our focus on COVID-19, we cannot afford to forget the need for climate action. Many in our community are still recovering from the floods and fires, and others are still living with drought. Meanwhile, in the Arctic Circle, who would have thought we would have raging bushfires and temperatures in Siberia of over 38 degrees? The issue of climate change must remain a key priority. And here at the university, more than ever, we are looking at our role in society and the way we partner with the community, with industry, with government, in our pursuit of excellence in education and research. We believe we are very well placed to be a great partner, as we think is evidenced by the fact that we did extraordinarily well in the UN Sustainability Development Goal rankings by the Times Higher Education this year. So we ranked second in the world, a truly outstanding result. And I was really delighted when the University Senate, just at its last meeting, approved the University's Sustainability Strategy, which will be formally launched in September. Being a more sustainable organisation is about doing what's right and about emphasising our work as a public good and putting our research into practice as we face the challenges of the coming decades. And it's also about enabling our staff and student community to be agents for change for a more sustainable future. The Sustainable Development Goals are a powerful roadmap for how we conduct our education research and drive our efforts towards improving humanity. In these times of unprecedented change and challenge, these goals offer a clear framework to review the work we do, how we live our lives, and how we individually and collectively can come together to find new ways of working, new opportunities, and new ways to solve our joint problems. I'd like to thank you all for being with us today, and I'd particularly like to thank Louise Heron, the Chief Executive Officer of the Opera House, and Innes Willocks, who's the Chief Executive of the Australian Industry Group. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Thanks. So thank you very much, Chancellor, and thanks everyone for joining us this afternoon. It's great to have you all here, and I know we've got a fantastic uh, audience, uh, judging by the registration, so we really appreciate you joining us. And I'm really delighted that Louise and Innes have been able to join us as well. As the Chancellor said, Innes Willocks is Chief Executive of the Australian Industry Group, and Louise Heron is CEO of the Sydney Opera House and alumna of the university. So welcome back, uh, Louise. Great to have you here again. So I've got a sort of a couple of general themes or questions that uh, I'd like to get uh, Louise and Innes uh, talking about. And then um, at the end, we'll ask the Vice Chancellor to, to, to reflect on the conversation. But as uh, you heard, we, we are obviously living in extraordinary times, uh, bushfires, floods, uh, pandemics, economic uh, recession, restructuring, uh, the big economic statement today, of course, setting the scene uh, Black Lives Matter uh, here in Australia and around the world. These are extraordinary times. And we have also been thinking about, you know, how do we actually not just survive these challenges, but come out stronger uh, on the other end, so to speak? And how do we innovate our way to solutions to these challenges, whether it's dealing with COVID, whether it's dealing with um, the impact of COVID on our economy, on our cultural sector, on our manufacturing sector, for example, and we'll hear more about that in a minute. And how do we think about innovating in a context in which we have to do so sustainably, in which we still have enormous global challenges that 
we have a responsibility to engage with as well. And I guess we're thinking a lot about that at the university in terms of our own research. But today, it's really about listening and learning from other parts of our community. So, Louise, the Opera House has actually done some really interesting work around the Sustainable Development Goals. And I just thought it would be good maybe to start with you to guess, get you talking to us about how you've interpreted not just um, the, the, the role that the Opera House has to play in terms of promoting a more sustainable uh, future, but also how you've been thinking through this extraordinary crisis for the cultural sector. I mean, your theatres are dark. Um, people are not coming to the Opera House to watch the wonderful events that you put on. So how, as an organization, have you grappled with, with that challenge, but also thinking about these broader global challenges as well? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Duncan. And um, thank you for the invitation to speak. It is really, uh, it's, I think it's great that they're called the, U, the UN Sustainable Development Goals because it's absolutely clear that we are in the area of looking at goals. And whereas previously we had long-term goals, for example, that we would like to become, you know, carbon neutral and we got a certification five years ahead of schedule that we want to ensure that our current building works are we, we recycle 90% of the materials which we're achieving. But what we learn right at the moment, I think, is that we need to create a lot of short-term goals. And in developing short-term goals, we need to have a very clear framework within which we're doing those. For example, if you take the Sustainable Development Goal 17, mm. Partnerships for a Better Future. Partnerships are increasingly important because we need to rely on each other more now than we ever have before. So you mentioned, Duncan, for example, that the Opera House was closed. We suddenly couldn't have any events, but we wanted to keep the connection between between our audiences and artists, artists suffering terribly with no work. And so we quickly, over the space of a weekend, set up a digital channel called From Our House to Yours, which is broadcasting our back channel and then we're doing all sorts of live events. And we've had more than 4 million views, more than 200,000 hours of content watched. And that was something that we managed to do over a weekend. Now, in past times, it would have taken strategies and approvals and frameworks and so on to actually spend six months to get there. But at the moment, people are able to move things far more quickly. We need to work within very short timeframes with very limited resources in ways that we never have before. And falling back onto these partnerships that we have all around the city and around the world, that is what is making things possible at the moment. So I think that the the framework of the goals is actually incredibly important and something that we can all draw on in, you know, these times where we have to do things very differently. Yeah, I mean, I think that that uh, that idea of doing things quickly that would have taken much longer before is one that we've experienced at the university as well. I mean, getting all of our teaching online in sort of two or three weeks, uh, I think, was something that we couldn't imagine happening uh, uh, as quickly. And it sounds like the same thing in terms of your your program, uh, yeah. your online program. So I think that is something we need to yeah. take with us in the next phase. So, so Ines, if I could just turn to you for a second. So in terms of, uh, as I said, you know, this idea of not just surviving, but coming back stronger, when you think about um, the organization, you know, the, the members of your organization and, and the challenges they face. How, how are you seeing that play out in, 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 in your domain? 
Well, thanks, Duncan, and thanks, uh, everyone, for joining us today. Thanks to Michael and Belinda as well. It's great to be with you all. And uh, Louise, as someone who has a daughter living in Sydney, working for the Sydney Biennale, I understand your pain that you've gone through in the art sector. It's uh, certainly enormous, the change that's occurred there. But what Louise just was speaking about was is really symptomatic of what's happening across the economy. So I, I represent... Uh, uh, I'm a representative of businesses from right across the economy, from manu- manufacturing, construction, defence, logistics, transport, etc. And that sense of rapid change is really upon us and some of it's positive change and some of it's negative change. So I think to illustrate that, Duncan, I'll just talk about three components which really make up three of the 17 uh, UN sustainable goals. One is economy, one is energy, and one is education, and they're all interlinked. And I think what interlinks them in a way is that uh, as difficult as these times are, and I'm talking to you from Victoria, which is really in the depths of depression, really, uh, both psychological and economic at the moment. But in the depths of these hard times, we have to reimagine a future, and that's and this we had, need to look at this as an opportunity to rethink how we have done things, and rethink how we can build on our strengths and how we can eradicate our weaknesses. And you hear a lot in conversations around needing to build resilience uh, into our economy, but also into our society as a whole. And this is an opportunity for us to think, as I said, how we've done things. So if we look at the economy, you know, you've seen uh, the Treasurer, Josh Reitenberg, today give the latest economic update, which was any way you look at it, you know, which way you hold the page, it's a pretty horrendous outlook, unemployment of 9% uh, and above by the end of the year. You have millions looking for work, uh, huge debt, huge welfare bill. That on the face of it, is a pretty abysmal picture, but it does give us a chance to rethink a couple of things. How do we rebuild our competitiveness? How do we how do we uh, re- reinstate productivity? And perhaps most importantly, how do we build more fairness uh, into the economy? And so we've got to have those sort of conversations now because this is a chance to rebuild. And we, don't, we shouldn't think we're just going to rebuild what was there before we're going to go back to something that was that was that was there before part of it is digitalization in a big way so i chair for the federal government the industry 4.0 task force of which digitalization is a key component of that along with automation um uh, sensor learning all of those sort of things and business more and more is looking at those sort of fields as to how they're going to reinvent themselves and, and they must um, and when re- we talk about resilience, we're talking about building greater strengths into our into our economy in areas like defence and space. Uh, space is an area we really haven't been in before in a big way, but that's clearly by, been identified as an opportunity. Food and agriculture, obviously, um, plastics and waste. You know, <clears throat> these are big areas where Australia can make uh, a, a huge impression on the world and the world economy. Then you take that into the energy sphere and you look at areas like hydrogen, for example, as an area which has got enormous potential, whether it's blue hydrogen, brown hydrogen or any other colour hydrogen you like. It's a huge opportunity for Australia. And then you look at areas like energy efficiency as well, which has been a bugbear. It's where industry has been trying to go down that path for a long time. But now energy efficiency is going to be even more important to the way we do business. And the last one is education. This 
I think as we look on these dark days, there's also an enormous opportunity for the tertiary education sector in particular to remake itself and to develop a new model. And key part of that new model has to be greater industry education collaboration through research, through innovation. And this is a way out for for all sides of the economy. And it's how we structure that, how we think that, and how we get the links built is important. If you just think about it this way, 90%, over 90% of Australian manufacturers, the makers of things, employ 20 people or less. So they're quite small scale. What we need to do as a national challenge is to build scale uh, into our economy. And that's where the tertiary sector has a key part. So I guess out of all of this, yeah, they, we're probably somewhere, we hope, at the bottom of the trough now and we can see a way out. Um, the big challenge and where the word innovation comes up is how we do innovate our way out of where we are now to build a better, more cohesive economy, community and society. And that's sort of the national challenge that we face um, so more generally, I, Duncan. Yeah, so look, thanks, Innocent and Louise. Uh, can I just maybe get you both just to step back, in, in a sense, take one step back and just focus on this concept of innovation because... You know, one, one way to challenge each of you is to say, well, look, Australia, is Australia really an innovating, innovative country? Are we an innovative exporter rather than an innovation importer? If I maybe could put it in, in your terms, Ines. But Louise, you know, you run one of the great creative organizations of, in, in the country, potentially in, mm-hmm. in the world. You're surrounded by creativity and innovation every day. But, you know, are we really doing enough as a community and, and are we doing enough in between our different organizations and different industries to really support and encourage innovation. And, and, and it, just really briefly, is there, is there something missing in Australia that allows us to, 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 to innovate um, in, in, a, in, a, in a more sort of profound way? And, and I guess, you know, given where we started, we're going to have to innovate our way out of these challenges, but we're going to have to do it in new ways, as Ines said. We're going to have to do it in a sustainable way. We're going to have to embrace new technologies, new ways of working. Uh, yeah. our, you know, universities are going to have to change in this process. So it'd be great to get you your reflections on that. Yeah, well, I guess um, starting with the Opera House, you know, the Opera House is probably the largest um, building experiment that Australia has ever mm. uh, has mm. ever undertaken. I mean, it is, they didn't know how to build it when they started out. It, it, was, it had so many techniques and put Australia at the forefront of a whole lot of areas, including concrete, for example, and you think of performing arts and mm. concrete, mm. they don't necessarily <laughs> go together. So, you know, the sort of unlikely matches of things. But the question that that we always ask ourselves and, and we say at the Opera House that our vision is to be as bold and inspiring as the Opera House itself. But would the Opera House be built today? And the answer is probably no. And so I, I feel as if we need to look back to our roots and we need to say, you know, there was a time when we were incredibly incredibly innovative and bold and we did things without necessarily knowing where we would end up and now is the time to rethink that and I think the way that we can do that is by having very clear goals as to what your um, very clear goals as to what you're trying to achieve and just a really small example like a renewable power purchase agreement you know we said it's really important that the opera house as this symbol 
uses renewable power. Well, we've done that. We entered into a seven-year renewable power purchase agreement and a range of organisations like the Zoo and the City of Sydney and Ascom School and six or seven other organisations have said, we have drawn on your lead to do this thing. So I think this is a time when we all need to show leadership and show what we can achieve individually and together in a way that is new and draws on what we know we can do but is actually bolder than what we have done in the past, Yeah, I mean, in it's the not, recent past. It's not the first time that artists sort of, you know, push the culture forward in a way that people don't expect. Ines, again, briefly, in, in terms of, you know, if you, were, if you were writing, you know, the Prime Minister's great innovation 2.0 speech, I mean, where, what, what would you want him to say or where would you want him to go? I think we're at Innovation 3.0. 3.0, probably, that's right. Um, Look, I would just say, look, we are a fantastically innovative country and we have an enormous amount to be proud of. I was formerly in in an old life, I was a diplomat and I went around the United States um, talking talking up Australia and part of my shtick was to talk about all the innovations that had been created in Australia going back hundreds of years and it is a phenomenal list um and i think we've we all know what a lot of them are but beneath that there are many others and we're also terrific at uh being among first adapters as well i mean you think of mobile phone penetration in around the world australia was one of the leaders early and we picked up that technology and ran with it so we're great innovators we're great uptakers where we're not so good is in the commercialization we fall over there i would be tempted to say we're hopeless at commercialization but that's a bit rough but but we're just not good at it and we're not strong at it and i don't know if that's a, a lack of confidence a lack of money um or uh just a lack of determination to pull things through and to take risk um and we probably need to think more about how we assess and adjudicate risk in Australia. Um, It's the old conversation that you have between here and the United States, for instance, about the fear of failure uh, here and how failure is accepted in some cultures and and not in others. And here would be one of them where if you fail, you're basically written off. So we have to find a way to allow people to learn from mistakes or learn from what went wrong more broadly. To Louise's point, I think more broadly, this is an opportunity for the country to develop a national strategy, national goals. What sort of country do we want to be? What are our objectives uh, across energy, across education, skills and training, across the economy more broadly? Um, you know, and, and as, as to build a cohesive, um, contributive community. So. What I would ask, if you're asking me to write the Prime Minister's speech, I would be saying, look, you know, this is the direction that we need to go, so the sort of things I was talking about more broadly, but we need to sign on to a 10-year plan and perhaps the, one of the biggest inhibitors in all of this is politics and, I, and without being political, it's not intended to be, but it's three-year political cycles, very competitive. And there's always an effort to rebadge or rethink things uh, tweak and twist rather than stick, stay the course uh, on on objectives. Um, and so it would be the notion of trying to develop at least a decadal strategy for the country that sort of everyone, federal, state, left and right, can sign on to. There's always going to be politics. There's always going to be differences around the edges. But in terms of objectives, 
if we could sign on to those and develop those as a as a community and stick with them that's where we would go and innovation is a key part of it you couldn't mention the word innovation sort of six or seven years ago then you had to put it in every sentence but it's about getting the balance right uh in in uh, in its use and its application so i think that, i mean i think that's a really um powerful idea this idea these are complex challenges and we need to actually you know focus our efforts over an extended period of time and, and that's mm. something that both the private and the public sector really need to, to, to commit to. Look, thank you so much. This is just really a taster, I guess, of, of the program we've got rolling over the next three months. So I might now just turn to Michael and get him to reflect on some of the comments that uh, Innes and, and, and Louise have, have, have put forward. Michael? Thanks, Duncan, and thanks, Louise and Innes. I found that a really um, fascinating exchange. And I suppose there are a couple of themes that kept coming back for me. Um, one was this whole question about how important innovation is and how important innovation is for Australia. And I suppose um, we're, we're, this is a good moment to be having that conversation because never before has the importance of research been so evident. Our lives um, literally depend upon it. And Australia is making an enormous contribution. You know, the first genetic sequencing of the COVID-19 virus was um, uh, announced by a researcher here at the University of Sydney. And we also participate with UQ in the development of um, one of the, um, in, in the work behind one of the potential vaccines. Um, we know that innovation is important, but the question is, Will we be an innovation importing country or will we build on that kind of tradition that both Innes and Louise in different ways alluded to um, of Australia as a clever country, as an innovation developing and um, exporting country? And the political signals about that are mixed. You know, the government has just taken $750 million out of the higher education system. Um, universities are the centre of research in Australia and always have been. Um, and the money that they've taken out of the system is essentially the money that has traditionally been used to support base research. And research funding has been on decline um, in Australia for a very long time. And of course, the the, 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 the makeup for that has been that we've been incredibly successful in our international education business and therefore um, able to support it. But there is this big policy choice. How important is innovation and how important is it that Australia be an innovation exporting country um, and or, 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 or will we just make our money by um, growing things, digging them out of the ground and, um, a, 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 and investing our superannuation funds? Um, and will it be possible even to dig things out of the ground and to grow things effectively in the future without domestic innovation? So that's um, th there's a big how important um, question for us. I think the other thing that came through was this question about how willing we are to place a bet on our own creativity. And again, you know, when Louise was talking about that bet that was made that created the Opera House, or when Innes was talking about um, our, our fear of failure and the fact that we're often quite cautious. So if I think of three of our great recent innovations, you know, um, at the world's first um, and indeed only end-of-life plastics recycling technology that can um, doesn't need sorting. You can um, It can both sort um, and recycle cardboard and plastics and other sort of waste and turn them into five useful products being developed in and implemented in the United Kingdom, in Germany, in Austria, in Canada, East Timor with British money. Um, the 
um, a, a particular kind of skin um, that involves the injection of um, elastin and means that she can do wound healing with no scarring, um, is being developed internationally with American money by the people who brought you um, Botox. Um, a, what we think of as the world's most stable and effective battery technology that will revolutionise um, the viability of solar power being produced in India with British money. Um, and that's partly a long history of Australia's reluctance when return has been elsewhere to place significant bets, not only on um, the kind of pioneering research that goes on in universities, but also in the commercialization of the products of that research. Um, and I think those are really big challenges that came back again and again, and that is, in a sense, as we're thinking about reshaping our, our economy, um, the question is how important will innovation be? Will we just be innovation importers? Um, and if we're actually going to be innovation developers, will we be putting our resources where our, um, where, where, where our mouths are in the future and um, really taking a bet on some of the remarkable technologies that we're currently producing? Great. Thank you. I think those are great, challenging questions to leave the, uh, both our panel and our audience with. So let me just um, thank again Louise and Ines for, for spending um, uh, some time with us this afternoon to, to kick off um, our reflections on these issues. Um, two great leaders of two very important uh, parts of our community, and, and we really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks also to the Chancellor and, and the Vice-Chancellor for for contributing as well, and, and thank you all for joining us. As I said, we're thinking about how we connect better with the community through the research and teaching we do, and we're thinking about how uh, our work can contribute to the, the kinds of goals and, and the, I guess the values that are in, in, embodied and embedded in the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So, so keep in touch with the program. Uh, there's lots more coming over the next few months, and I hope to see you at some of those events. And Ines and Louise, thanks so much again uh, for joining us. It's much appreciated. Thanks for listening to the Sydney Ideas podcast. For more information, head to sydney.edu.au forward slash Sydney hyphen ideas. It's where you'll find the transcript for this podcast and our contact details if you'd like to get in touch with a question or feedback. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Search for Sydney Ideas on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Finally, we want to acknowledge that this podcast was made in Sydney, which sits on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. It is upon their ancestral lands that the University of Sydney is built.